everybody, this is Amber Key, and you're listening to A Bright Idea Podcast, a show that sits down with entrepreneurs to hear about the aha moment that launched their businesses. Today, we're joined by our guest, Amani Keel, the content creator behind Amani at Home, a DC-based home and lifestyle blog. Amani believes all people, regardless if they own or rent, should invest in their happiness by improving the spaces in which they live. Through her Instagram and blog, Amani shares renter-friendly DIYs and tips for the design-obsessed millennial. Her studio apartment has been featured in the New York Times, Apartment Therapy, The Washington Post, and Domino.com. Amani Keel grew up in Philly, right on Mainline Avenue, with her mom, grandmother, and two sisters. Growing up, Amani remembers being raised by strong women who were owning, flipping, and renting homes. When she wasn't shopping on the weekends with her mom, grandmother, and sisters, she was attending open houses in her area. In middle school, her family moved to Delaware, and Amani, a self-proclaimed city girl, quickly realized the suburbs were not for her, so she moved back to the city to live with her dad. In high school, Amani attended Girls High, a prestigious all-girls public high school in Philly, one of the only all-girls public high schools still in existence today. From there, Amani found herself in D.C., where she attended Howard University, a historically black college, where she gravitated towards hospitality. At the completion of her studies, she graduated from Howard and began a career at a hotel. Through hospitality, Amani learned how to care for people and think quick on her feet. After leaving her job at the hotel, Amani started working at a luxury kitchen and bath store. What started as a few projects turned into being a leader on larger projects with big-name clients, including the White House and Jeff Bezos' house here in D.C. Amani thought she found her way. And then the pandemic hit. I was just in my apartment, and I have claustrophobia, so at first when I moved into the studio, I was like, yeah, this is fine. This is enough space. I'll barely be here. I I wanted it to be cute, but... It didn't really, really matter because I was like, eh, whatever. Um, but then when the pandemic hit, I was just in that house all the time and I I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand looking at it. I was so bored. There was nothing to do. Um, the only store that was open was Ace Hardware and I'd gotten a dog. So I was like, well, I need to walk the dog. I need to go outside because if I stay in this house, I will commit crimes. Um so I would just walk to Ace Hardware and I was, I would be like, oh, I'm going to buy this paint and I'm going to buy this decal and I'm going to buy, you know, samples of this and I'm going to buy this stain and I'm going to buy a drill. And next thing I know, my house looked the pandemic. I just became a person who was like obsessed with their apartment. And one of my friends from college was like, you should make an Instagram. And I was like, well, Danielle, if I'm gonna make an Instagram, what I'm gonna call it Instagram. <laughs> and we are like on the phone, just like shooting the breeze, talking, chit-chatting. And she was like, you should call it Imani at home. And I was like, I do be at home. That's, that's, that's true. I do be at home. Yeah. So that started an Instagram. And what, like, what was it? Like three years later, here we are. Um, yeah. You know? tons of people later, great opportunities. And I guess now a whole new apartment yeah, <laughs> to, no. to decorate. That's such an interesting story. And not to like go back a little bit, but you talked about like loving being in the city, growing up with sisters and growing up with your grandmother and your mom. Like were, 
and then you you described like going through high school and going to this all-girls school where like there were dancers and there were artists like you don't just like gain this interest in like interior design overnight like would you say that you were like a creative growing up were you an artist like where did this like kind of come from <laughs> or like what was the influence so I grew up in a family of shoppers um I call them the tri-city shoppers because my aunt and my grandma would wake up on a Saturday morning they would start shopping in Delaware then they would go to Jersey then they would go to Philly and then we would like wrap it back up in Delaware. So, you know, I grew up being a person who was just in the stores and I love to be like, oh, that's cute. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. We, we taking it home. And, you know, my aunt had a very big like, if I like it, I'm going to buy it style kind of thing. Yeah. So we would just be in the store buying stuff. So, you know, I always grew up in a family where like we shopped. And on top of that, uh, we used to go to like open houses a lot. Like we would have a home, like be fully in our home. My mom fully built a house for herself and they'd be like, Ooh, they having a, a, a open house over on what's the name. Let's go. Let's go see what the new model homes look like. We would do this like on the weekends. So I always grew up around people who had an interest in like making a space look beautiful, not necessarily as a job, but just as like something that you do like your house looks good right um so that was sort of like what I knew and then when I got to college I originally went to Howard as like a PR major and like a minor in business because that's what everyone tells like people right. who are in communications to do like get a real degree like business and I'm like this is a real degree y'all can't write or read, but I can because I'm in communications. I couldn't balance a spreadsheet to save my life. And I was like, I am not going to fail uh, at like half of this degree just because I'm trying to prove something to somebody else. So I went and took, I was taking ceramics as a, like an extra curricular. And I was like, oh, I like it over here. Can I declare ceramics at, as a minor? And the professor was like, I mean, nobody has done it in years, but you can. And I was like, bet I'm going to play in the Earth's core for the next three years. Thank you so much. This is the bomb. Um, and then when I told my mom that, she was like, I'm paying $45,000 a year for you to pay in dirt. And I was like, <laughs> okay, but when you put it like that, it sounds bad. <laughs> Uh, but now, you know, a lot of the pieces that I made there are sitting in my apartment and look at them now, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're doing cool stuff, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no. So then after, after Howard, you went on to work in like interior decorating. Do I have that correct? So I got there eventually. I've never been an interior designer and I am not a, tra a trained interior designer. I'm okay. just a girl who likes so her house and yes. has the audacity, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. um, I, have, I have great respect for people who go to school to do interior design, but that's just never been my goal necessarily. Okay. Like, I don't want to be an interior designer. I don't want to have like a firm mm. um, because I feel like in interior design, there's really only like there's only a few ways to make money. Um, and the model for how most interior designers make money, you have to work with really high net worth clients who are wanting to pay for like custom furniture, can pay for a markup, can do all of these different things. 
And the reality is, is that the people who I'm interested in serving don't have access to that. So I don't necessarily want to create a business that I think is like, not that I think it's unfair because I do think interior designers should pay, like they should charge what they are worth. But I just know that everybody who needs this service can't access it that way. So I wanted to provide a different way for people to access this knowledge, this information, this help. And so I think through creating content that allows me to make my money and support myself and support the business through partnerships with other people and not right. necessarily having to take somebody who's like, I have a budget of a hundred dollars. And it's like, okay, you can't hire anybody for a hundred dollars. If you pay me 50, that means you got $50 to do a whole room or to do a whole bathroom. That doesn't give you much to work with a hundred dollars. We could shake a little something, mm-hmm. but if you're worried about paying me, then you, we're never going to get anywhere. And then people are never going to feel confident in their spaces because sometimes all they need really is for somebody to say, hey, maybe you should do this or maybe you should do that. Sometimes it's really all people want and really all people need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to supply that. So when I left Howard, I, I went into hospitality and part of what hospitality is, is just like thinking for people so that they don't have to think for themselves for like a couple of hours, you know? You're in a restaurant, you're guiding someone through their dinner, you're walking into a hotel, you see somebody a little stressed out, and you're like, hey, let's chill out. Let me have somebody grab your bags. Let me bring you a glass of wine while I'm checking you into your hotel room. That way, when you get up there, you're already halfway through this class, your bags are up there, they're being unpacked. Like Working in hospitality taught me how to work with people and how to make them feel good. But then my love of like design and beautiful spaces I'm just putting those two together and that's really what Imani at home is. Yeah. And I think you really exude that in your con- in your content. I think that you, even though it's like this virtual like platform and this information that you're giving, like it, you see you in that and you yeah. like really take the time to speak to, like you said, the audience that doesn't have the, maybe the means or the access to these like affordable, I mean, these um, really expensive, like interior decorating, you know, products. Yeah. And, yeah. and you're able to, you know, reach those people, um, give more access to those people on your page. Um, were you about to say something? I didn't no, want to I was off. just going to say like, it's, I think, I think in this like world, right, where everything is becoming more expensive, but less quality, for example, um, people really don't understand how much furniture can cost. Um, They they really just don't, you know, so I, I have like a faucet from the company that I worked at, it's a $6,000 faucet. And that was because it was damaged it was six thousand dollars i think originally it was like 12 Mm -hmm. um people will say to me all the time why does something like this cost so much i can just go to the home depot and this is no shade to home depot because i I rise with home depot the long way yeah um but if you go into somewhere and you're picking out a faucet that is 100 percent brass and then plated in whatever finish you like that is a different level of quality of something that is maybe the internal parts are plastic and then the external parts, like the parts that you see, touch and feel mm-hmm. are brass and then plated or not plated at all. Maybe it's just unlacquered. Um, those things are different qualities. 
mm-hmm. and they are different expenses. And a lot of these things um, are like heritage faucets are made in Europe or um, outside of the U.S. So then you're paying to have those things shipped here. And it is just more expensive to produce some of these things than it is to produce something that is more mass produced. Yeah. Um, and so I, I understand because I've seen the way interior designers work. I have great amounts of respect for what they do because they will, they will nitpick over a centimeter when some people are fine with things being off by like a foot. They don't care. They're like, it looks great. And then you get um, a room of interior designers in the room and they're like, this is off by an inch and a half and I'm going to die about it. <laughs> you know, like, and I get that. I do. I think like when you're working with people and you're like building them a home or you're building them a space, like it's more than just picking out rugs and patterns. It's you're really thinking about how do these people live? How do they want to live? And how do I give that to them? Yeah. Um, but that can come at a price of, you know, $300 an hour. Yeah. I got $300 an hour. Most people don't have $300 an hour. So for me, it's like, I do things like shop with me Saturday where people can just tell me, Hey, I'm looking for this around this budget. And I'll go out on the internet and I'll find like one to five options of being like, here you go, shop it up. Or, um, that's like one way that I help people out. Or I have like my subscriber community, Homish, the Homish people. What's up, mm-hmm. y'all? Um, and people pay between five and fifteen dollars a month. Sorry, seven and fifteen dollars a month. And every month I do like one-on-one sessions with people if they want to come to do one. You know, one-on-one session. We'll talk about your space, or you can do you can join one of our classes next month. Well, later this month, our class is going to be a virtual housewarming of my new apartment woot woot yeah um so yeah there's just like many ways to get interior design help and i i just want to be a vessel to, to deliver what would you say was the aha moment that led you to pull the trigger like i'm starting amani at home today Okay. So like real talk though, it was kind of just like for a while I was just making videos and I was like, this is fine because I had nothing else to do. I think after people started asking for things, they were like, can you show me how to do this? How did you do that? That's when I realized I was like, oh, this is something. And I then realized that in interior design space, there's really only like a couple of lanes that you can go down. You can go down the me and my white husband with our white children and my blonde hair and our beautiful blue eyes live in the middle of America in a big old house that we bought for like $150,000. And he's the contractor. I'm a designer. Whoop de whoop. Beautiful. Love it. Love those girls but not realistic for me, not applicable to my life in any way, shape or form. I do watch the content though. Or you get the, I'm living in a major, I'm living in New York. And here is my apartment that is quirky and mostly white because cream, brightness, white. Both are great. 
But again, not something that I could really see myself in. And I was making content being like, I'm going to paint this whole house black because I feel like it. And most people would be like, you're crazy. And I'd be like, whatever. I'm going to take out this faucet because I feel like it. I'm going to put up pasted wallpaper because I feel like it, because it feels good to me. And a lot of the people who are, who are doing like home decor content, they're doing it to show off what they can do, which I think is great. Like that's, if everyone runs their, their brand, how they want, but I oftentimes didn't see a lot of resources outside of like the design thing. So it'd be like somebody being like, I built this bench. Here are the measurements for the bench. That's great. Um, most people who are going to go and build that bench, they've never spoken to their landlord. They're not confident enough to speak to their landlord. They don't feel confident enough to even think that they can attempt something like this. So when I was sort of like getting to the point of making more content and like really taking this seriously, I wanted to shift people's mindsets. I wanted to make people feel more confident about doing this to their space. So I was putting out resources like the landlord email template that shows people like literally fill in the blank. Here's how to talk to your landlord. I was putting out things like um, I put out on like one of my email newsletters, like you're going home for the holidays. People are going to say stuff to you about you renting. Here's five passages. They get progressively more petty. Mm-hmm. Go in, baby. Go in. And like, you know, the last one, you probably would have gotten like, you know, into in a tussle with some of your family members, but like, whatever. Let's, let's just go crazy. Let's see what happens. You know, I, I want people to feel confident. I don't care if anyone ever picks up a, a roll of peel and stick wallpaper in their life. But if you feel more confident in your space because of something I shared, I've won. I've yes. done my duty for the day. I've, I've done my part. want to talk about that a little bit about how your content is very different um, from some of these other uh, influencers or content creators, if you will, that we see online. Um, you're reaching a different audience and you're also giving another a different message. And I want to know if there was a moment that you felt that you like with the content that you were putting out, if there was a piece of content or a moment that you felt like oh I grabbed them like I I got my like permanent audience like these are my people I feel like I've had a few but the first one was definitely the zebra wallpaper um the girls who got it got it with that one you know shout out to Kana Bay um the ones who who was like this is hot I'm like, you're my people. There were people, my mom thought that wallpaper was ugly. Several people in my life before I bought it was like, do not buy this wallpaper. It's going to be too much in this small room. And I was like, y'all are haters. Mm -hmm. Okay. You don't understand. You don't, you don't see the vision. And when I bought that wallpaper, I was putting it up with my friend. And it was so funny because like now we're super duper close. But like when we were doing this, we had just like started to become friends. Even he was like, this is a lot. And I was like, I know it's amazing. Right. Um, so the people who got it really got it. And it was so funny because like for years after that, people would send me DMS where they would see the wallpaper in the wild. And I remember this one girl, she was like, Hey, I was walking home and I saw this in someone's entryway. So I walked up the steps and like took a picture through their front door. 
And I was like, please don't do that again. <laughs> but also, thank you. <laughs> that, I'm like, the commitment to the bit, I appreciate, but please don't get arrested behind me. Um, so that's amazing. Um, definitely the wallpaper, the, the, the girlies who, who were down for that Scalamandra wallpaper, they were it. And then I think the second one was everyone who got behind the, I covered the tiles in my bathroom with pasted wallpaper. That one, that one I think is when like, I got to the point where I understood that like people will defend you in your comments. That was when I was mm-hmm. getting the like, y'all not gonna come for our girl kind of mm-hmm. comments. And I was like, ooh, word, you tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them people about me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one was, was really fun because I, I'm telling you, I was getting the hate from like every contractor, man, person who's ever like picked up a paintbrush was like, you're an idiot. This is going to ruin the tiles. How dare you disrespect your landlord like this? Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, it got to the point where I just couldn't even respond to it anymore because I was like, I was getting frustrated with like what people were saying about me. And I didn't have to because the girlies were in the comments, like, leave her alone. And yeah. Like, yes. And that was, I was sort like, of, tell them, yeah. defend me, boo. <laughs> I, no, it's like, when you get to that point where you have like the the sugar plums, they come, they come correct, that's when you know you've reached up. So starting off, you called your loyal followers sugar plums. And you kind of like alluded to, you kind of talked about this um, in the previous question that I asked, but uh, what have your sugar plums taught you about your brand? So I'll say this, we did a mini baby rebrand at like the beginning of the year. So now everybody is a homie. I wanted to, I wanted to call everybody homies from the beginning, but then I was like, man, I don't know if that would be weird. I don't know if I want people who are going to like white people walking around being like, I'm a homie. I didn't know if I want that. And then I decided, I don't care. Um, I like homies. This is how I talk in real life, like with real people. Um, so in terms of like what the homies have taught me is it's, it's really that I am doing what I set out to do. Um, the ones that I have met in real life have said like, oh my God, you're just like you are on Instagram. I'm like, I know. I mean, I'm trying very hard to like be who I am on Instagram, who I am in real life. Um, and yeah, there are some parts of myself and some parts of my life that I don't bring to the internet because people are crazy. Mm-hmm. And also because other people in my life have not, like, they've not consented to, like, being a part of, like, my internet hoopla. I, I go really hard to try to make sure that everything that I put out there it feels good to me feels right, feels fair, feels like something that is like realistic and in the realm of who Imani is. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I've learned from from people and from the community is that I am doing something that is good and I'm doing something that is actually helpful. Um, I think when you talk to people who don't understand social media, which it's crazy that people still don't understand social media, but when I talk to like, say older people, or if I'm on like a date with somebody who's very like DC serious job person, 
um, what I do can sound kind of frivolous. It's like, so you help people feel good about their homes. Like that's dumb. Um, it can feel that way. It can feel like everything that I'm doing is frivolous and I'm just like promoting people to go shopping and that kind of stuff. But then I get DMs from people being like, you inspired me. You made me feel better about my home. Um, I've had people reach out to me because they were breaking up with the boyfriend who wasn't nice to them. And they found a way to get their own space. And they were like, for a while, I was just in there not feeling good, not feeling confident, feeling bad about myself. And then they started watching some of my videos and I bought some wallpaper and I put up an art piece and, and now I'm feeling better about where I am and where I live. And it's like, those are the messages that keep me up at night crying. Um, not everybody gets to do what they love to do and then have people support it. And every day I just, I feel just so incredibly honored that something that I love to do reaches people in a way where, where it makes them feel good about themselves. Like when I was a kid, I just, I wanted to help people but I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a lawyer. Like I didn't want to do like any of those careers that traditionally go with helping people. I was going to do with my life. I always could say like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. But I just never knew what it was for me. And knowing that like, this is what I've become and like where I will go and like the way that I can help people is just really cool. Um, I don't know. I just, I get very hyped about what, what, what I've been able to like accomplish. And I will say like, the only reason I'm really able to do it is because people who follow me, they'll ask a question and then I'll go back and like, think it through and be like, Oh, how can I turn this into something that will help more people? You know, the, the email template came from people being like, how did you get your landlord to do this? I got so many questions about that. I was like, well, I just, I just sent an email. Yeah. And then people were like, well, what did you say in the email? And I was like, well, this is what I said. And they were like, well, how can I get my landlord to do it? And I was like, well, maybe you should say, send an email. Like I sent an email. And then I just wrote a template <laughs> based yeah. off of the email that I sent. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, I know that I'm not like curing cancer and I know that this is not like the biggest of deals. So I want to be like realistic about, you know, what it is that I do. But um, some of the DMs that I get, man, I just can't even respond to all of them because they, I just, I sit there and I cry. I just cry. Cause I'm like, this is for me. It's like, people are like, how did you get the confidence to do this? And I'm like, honestly, girl, I just woke up with the audacity one day and said, I'm gonna do what I want. We start to see, <laughs> we see the evolution of your brand, like going from sharing DIY projects to informing content and, and giving advice about renting and about affording apartments that are in these expensive cities and how to negotiate with your landlord and renovating your apartment. Like what, 
would you say that it was the community and your followers is what pivoted that direction of Amani at home? Yeah, it's like, there's only so much you can say about paint colors. There's only so, like, there's only so much I'm interested in saying about a paint color. It's like, okay, if you want your face to feel airy, yes, you should paint it a lighter color. If you want it to feel more like a little jewel box, yeah, you should go darker. Um, if you like more cool tones, you should go with a cooler tone paint color. Like, there's only so much I'm personally going to say because this is this is what I got for you. Um and after a certain point, like in my old apartment, it was like when, by the time a lot of people started following me, the apartment was like mostly done. So at a certain point, I was just like making videos. I had to talk about something else. I'm like, I can't talk about renovating. Girl, I'm renovating. I'm done. I'm over this. Um, I don't want to talk about this anymore. So let's talk about something else. And that is sort of like the shift and the change that like the content went through. It's like it evolved with me. I don't. I don't have an interest in like talking about the same thing over and over again. It's like, I'm bored of this, which is partially why like, so making content for me is like pretty stressful. You know, everyone will say like, oh, just repurpose your content, just repurpose your content. I'm like, I don't want to repurpose because I don't want to talk about this anymore. Mm -hmm. And I know if I repurpose something from six months ago, more people are going to ask me questions about this and I don't want to talk about this right now. So now yeah. I got to talk about something that I want to talk about. And you know, I'm, I'm the creator of most of my own problems in this business. But I will say <laughs> it is like, there's only so much I want to say about this. Yeah. So, but like, you know, it's like it, it, giving people like recommendations on paint colors or on dressers or on whatever, like, okay, that's fine. I can do that. But then they're going to take that recommendation and do what with it? Because if they're speak to their landlord about putting up that paint color, me giving this recommendation is literally for nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to talk about living in major cities as Ooh. a young and single professional. Um, being in the streets. Yes. I mean, society really encourages young people that buying and investing in real estate is like a major milestone and that we should all aspire to achieve that. But like right now, the national interest rate is at 6%. Like uh -huh. millennials are not buying homes at, uh, as readily as previous generations. And this is due uh -huh. to like a plethora of things, but some involve like affordability, student loan debt, getting married later, tighter uh, lending standards, um, like at the banks. I mean, the list goes on. So how do you think the content that you produce through Amani at Home is changing that mindset that we don't all need to go out and buy houses right now. Oh, girl, let's get me on my soapbox. Uh, and I just want to say, like you, before I asked this question um, or let you answer this question, is like you you talked a little bit earlier about some of the, the content or some of the people that would slide in your DMs and be like, this is the content that really resonated me, with me. Like this question that I'm asking you, that is what really drew me to you because um you were talking about things about like ADU and subsidized units and, and IZ programs and these things that like 
yeah, everyone knows about government assisted housing, but like, do people really know? And do people really know like where to go to get this? So like when I was scrolling through your Instagram, I was like, scroll, scroll, wait a, well, wait a minute. Like I'm stopping here. So I get back to the question. I got off on a tangent, but like, how do you think the content, because I get passionate about this. How do you think the content that you produce through Money at Home is changing that mindset? I'm sorry, but like, I could talk Ooh, about girl. So let me say this. I have never told anyone not to buy a house. Um, a few of the critiques that my content get is that I don't believe it or I don't understand home ownership, which to me is racist because people see black people not subscribing to traditional ideals of black excellence and success. And the immediate response is, they must not know. They must not be informed. But what people don't know, what I don't talk about, because it's literally nobody's business, is that my parents have been buying, selling, renting properties for my entire life. You grew up I've going been, to open houses. Girl. You started I've, off saying that. I've been, I've been cleaning up rentals since I was 12 years old, girl. My parents, when I was in middle school, bought two houses, well, my mom bought two houses on the same block. I know this life. I, the burn method was the, I grew up on that. Um, I was, I, I would sit in the car with my mom and we would be going over like her investment numbers. Like my mom is a really great like person. She's really great at math. We would be going over her investment, like the, the breakdowns of her investments in her head. While we're driving, she'd be like, okay, so if this is the mortgage is on this one, I got this much in cash, this is what I should put in. So like, we would be doing all of that in the car. I know this life. I don't want it. Um, and while I am not telling people that like, yes, buying a home, having a property is, at your, your personal residence to me is not an investment because by nature, investments are things that you can lose. They are things that you're okay with saying like, eh, whatever. You don't feel that way about your home where, that your children live in. So stop saying that. Um, I think most people get so up on the buying the home thing because they're either A, the first person in their family to do so, or they think that this is the only way for them to be successful. And sure, if you live in like middle America, Buying a home probably is your best option, but I don't, and I have no desire to, and I'm not moving to anywhere where you can buy a $200,000 house. Let's be clear. I'm staying in the city. Let me, I like to be out at three in the morning. I'm not going to Indiana. I'm not doing that. So I'm going to take this rent controlled apartment that my rent now is $2,300 a month for a two bedroom, 900 square foot place, most utilities included. It's rent controlled. I'm not going to find a better deal. No, you're not. So not here. Not here. So if I'm living in the place where I want to live, where my job is, and I can do that in a way that I can afford it, why go buy a house? What is that doing? It's not getting me anything that I don't already have. I don't feel unsuccessful. I don't feel unworthy. I don't feel like my life is not moving forward because I don't own a home. I don't care about owning a home. Um, so that's the, the one piece of it, right? The second piece of it is I think people 
truly believe that owning any home is better than owning no home. And that is just false. Um, what we have learned throughout this whole pandemic time is that there was a point in time in DC specifically where a house would be listed for like 800,000 and then it would sell for a million. Why? Because everybody got into these stupid bidding wars and they're like, oh no, uh, no, I'm gonna go 50 over. No, I'm gonna go 60 over. I'm gonna go 70 over. I'm gonna go hundred over. I'm gonna go 200 over and pay in cash. Now you don't overpay for a house. So when things start to, to dip, you're not going to be able to sell that house for even maybe what you bought it for or, or more. You're not going to get your return on your investment. So then people say, well, I would never sell my house for a loss. But if you lose your job, are you going to sell your house at a loss or are you going to go into foreclosure? Mm-hmm. Um, have so many opinions about, well, I'll just rent it. Baby, I've seen what it's like to be a landlord. Mm-hmm. Boring. I'm annoying as hell. I'll be calling my landlord every other day for something. Deal with me. <laughs> Dealing with a me. So I, I think people just think they, again, like I said, they have this thing where it's like any home is better than no home. Um, and that's just not true. Like sometimes renting just is the best option. And if you take every dime that you have, like I said that, I put fifteen to like twenty thousand dollars into my old apartment over the course of four years. Somebody would be like, "Oh, well, you could have." Uh, that's a down payment on a house. I said that ain't a down payment on shit in DC. Must be very clear. It's um, that's it all is relative. Yes, it's it's all relative, and more to the point, I I am never going to say that buying a, buying real estate isn't a good investment because it can be, but it also cannot be um and getting evicted from an apartment looks way worse like looks way better on your credit than getting like foreclosed on in your house um <laughs> like i can bounce back from this eviction you're you're just gonna take you a good 10 years to bounce back from foreclosure let's be clear um so you know there's that and it's also just like there are a lot of things i made a video about this too which is crazy there are a lot of things that we do as people that are more expensive than something else because we want to, because we feel like it, because it brings us personal happiness. The example that I always use is having kids. Having kids is one of the most expensive things that you will ever do. And you know what? People be doing it all the time, every day, multiples, five, six, seven of them. And you know why? Because it brings you a level of personal happiness. You would have so much more money in the bank not having a child. But you know what? You keep doing it because it makes you happy. We get our nails done. We go on vacations. We do all of these things in life that are more expensive than the alternative. But we do them because it brings us personal happiness. If buying a home brings you personal happiness, I think you should do that. I also think that you should analyze why this thing makes you happy. Are you buying a home to say that you have a home so that you can join the Black homeowners group? And like go to dinner with other black homeowners. Okay, that's fine. You could have also just like, I don't know, picked up a sport or like joined a book club if you wanted friends. You could have done something else that would have cost you less, but you wanted to do this. So I think you should be able to do that. I don't want to do this because it doesn't really work for my life. Um, 
And, you know, people will say all of these different things about black excellence and generational wealth. Well, my mom paid for my college. She paid off my student loans for me. Shout out to you, girl. Hey, you're going to watch this. I helped, but you did the majority of it. Um, she paid for that. She paid for my first apartment. I, I have the generational wealth or building on it that everyone is claiming that they want to give and pass down to their children. So my question comes back to what is the point of building generational wealth and building a foundation for, for the next, for your kids to jump off of if when they're ready to delete, you're saying these are the only things open to you. Mm -hmm. The point of, to, for me anyway, the point of money is to create options. So if you have money and you're giving your children a foundation, which is more stable where they don't have to do things because they have to do it. They're doing things because they want to do it and because they fit their, their, their life and what they want for their life. What was the point of all of this? You're going to make them get into a career that they hate or they dislike because you want them to have money, but you did that so that they could make better choices. But now they can't make those choices because you're telling them what they can and can't do. Like it's done. Mm -hmm. So I don't even want children. So it's like, I'm not buying a house for like the purpose of like passing it down to a kid. Because I don't have no kids. Yeah. So I think no. you're, you're really keeping it cute. a trend setter in that oh. mindset, because I think that a lot of people who, and I think if we're talking about our community, the black community, like your, your upbringing is, is, um, I don't want to say it's rare because I, I I find a lot of parallels between your story and my story. And this isn't about me. This isn't a podcast about me. So we can talk about that off, off, uh, offline. But I think that there's a huge like knowledge gap when it comes to right. financial literacy, when it comes to investing. But like to your point, though, this is this is the thing, right? I have never been a person who wants to walk like a traditional line in life, right? That's just never been my thing. I've never been interested in that. And what I want for people to do is to think for themselves. If you want to be the first in your family to own a home, you should do that. Because I get that. That is a that is a like a deep level of of pride that I think you should want to take in this life. If you want to be like a, I, I bought my mom a house kind of, kind of person, you should do that. I don't necessarily feel that because I didn't grow up without that. Yeah. You know, and you know, I always connect this back to like the first big choice that I made um, in high school. I got into two schools. I got in a hat. Well, I got into a lot of schools, but the two schools for me were, I was either going to go to Spelman or I was going to go to Howard. And my mom and my dad, we all flew down to Atlanta to, to go to Spelman. We stayed there for the week. Um, I had cousins who went to Spelman. My mom, I had a cousin who was down there in Atlanta. She was like, oh, I'll take care of you. Like, come on down here. We, we, you know, whatever. And I looked at myself and I said, I liked Spelman. I enjoyed Spelman. There was a certain level of pride of going from an all-girls high school to an all-girls or all-women uh, college. I had to look at myself and say, I am more excited to say I'm going to Spelman than I am to actually go to Spelman. And I want to go to Howard. 
I, I want to make this choice. And so I think my, my, my thing with the world in general is like, you have to live your life. You got to run your race because there will come a time when like our parents and like what you can do for your parents, like people who are making choices to be like, Oh, I want to make my parents cry. The reality is that you will live half your life without your parents here. And that is a very sad, morbid thing that we will all have to come to terms with. But the reality is, especially because like the generation before us started having children a little bit later, we will have a, the majority of our lives without them. And it is insane to take your whole life and base it upon what somebody else wants for you. Mm -hmm especially if what that thing is, is not what you want for yourself. I know what I want for me. I've always been incredibly like, nope, that's not it. And I, I want more people to have that, to have that internal voice that says, this is what I want for me. This is what I will do to get those things. And when I'm talking to people and they're pushing back on me and saying like, oh, well, you should want this, but I don't. Mm -hmm. What's next for Amani at home? Uh, what's next is me trying to clean this house up. Um, I got boxes. I'm, I'm being very cute in my little setting here, but over there, it's just a bunch of clothes and <laughs> stuff on the floor. Um, you know, I submitted my list of projects to my landlord. I got the approval. So I am just starting i'm gonna get started on the design process and get ready to to make this place my own and share it all on imani at home and, excuse me and on the blog and on instagram and everywhere and i'm just very excited about this this new space that i get to call home i want to before i let you go play a game i want to switch gears a little bit and play like a rapid fire Ooh. What is your favorite productivity hack for your business? Oh, I, I write everything down. Um, I don't know if you can see this, but I am a journal girl. I am a pen to paper kind of girl. Uh, look, shout out. Um, <laughs> I, I've been using the same notebook since 2017. Don't play with me. The same brand? The same notebook. Like not the oh. same notebook, but like literally the same brand. I oh. maybe have like twenty of these. Okay, what's the yeah, brand I, for the listeners? Um, it's appointed, local, made in DC, Asian American owned. They have a yeah. store for um, like Ivy City ish. I I did switch up one thing. I used to be a lined paper girl, but now I am a grid paper girl. Oh, Ooh, I thought you were gonna say bullets. Mm -mm. I, I like the little boxes because I like to color them in. Yes. Well, it is AAPI month as well. So mm -hmm. shout out. Um, shout out to the girls. Yes. What is a secret tip that you found that you just found out that content creators need to get hip to? Hire an editor. <laughs> it's not a secret. It's hire some help. Um, at a certain point, there's only so much you can do for yourself. And the reality is, is that like, being a content creator is like running a small little marketing firm. Um, you're not good at everything. And recognize what you're not good at and figure out how to hire some help. I'm not good at negotiating for myself, so I got a manager. I'm not good at editing my videos so that I can keep up with like the demands of how often I want to post. So I hired an editor. What is your favorite wall color for a small space? 
if you're going like, yeah, let me see who it is. Black. I knew it. <laughs> Love it. I don't care. Um, the color is literally called black. I think the code is like HC90. Um, it was the color that I originally painted my house black in. And I was just like, this is beautiful. I'm sorry. Like small space, go dark, make it is, moody. Is black making an appearance in this place? Or should we stay tuned? I don't know yet. It it will be here in some fashion. I don't know yet. Okay. Know. Stay tuned for the listeners. <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> what plant should every person have in their home and why? One that you one you can't kill. I don't care <laughs> what it is. Because I am a murderer of plants. Um everyone's like, you can't kill a snake plant. I've killed six of them, so um, right now, I'm really rocking with the pothos. Me and them are, are doing a good job, so I'm going to go with pothos, but pick one that you haven't murdered and go with that. If you could write a book, what would it be about? I would write smut about design. Okay. <laughs> I'd be like this interior designer meets her billionaire client and they're doing it on the table. I would love that. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. I'm not just gonna like regurgitate oh, I would I would just like put my like blog post into a book. I that I would do that, but if I was like really gonna go for something, yeah, I'm writing smut. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's next. <laughs> That's what's next. Next next to the empire. Smut. <laughs> If you could have coffee with any interior designer or decorator of any sort, like who would it be? Forbes and Masters, they are um, two, they're like a team of ladies down in Atlanta. And uh, they did Myleek Teal's uh, house down there and like her bedroom is like I don't really like creamy rooms but like her bedroom is like all creams and whites because uh it's just uh it's so beautiful and they they just do great things with like texture and I just I just love them so much if I could just like sit between the two of them and like hang out I would yes awesome Forbes Masters Keel no but I would I would just sit with them all day I thought about this question when you were talking about generational wealth, um, specifically in the Black community. And so this is like kind of off the dome. But um, I'm wondering, as a content creator with your partnerships and you're building your version of generational wealth for yourself, like how how lucrative is being a content creator? And what is your plan for your own generational wealth? So I'd say it depends, right? There is no content creator where it's like the same. Um, in the home space specifically, it's not a very well-paying portion because most people in the home space, they're like, oh, I'll just give you a couch. And it's like, well, I can't pay for my couch. So yeah. we're not going to do that. Um, so I think last year I made about like 80000 which is like very respectable. Um, oh, that's this awesome. year. This year, you know, we're 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 working on more. Uh, we're about halfway to where I was last year. I'm ahead of where I was last year in terms of money, but um, 
this year I'm hoping to like hit somewhere around like 150. Um, but I also know creators who before taxes and all expenses and all that made like a million dollars. Um, I know people who made like 10,000 mm. for a whole year. Mm. It depends. Um, it depends on what you're doing and how you're running your business. For me personally, I have a desire to build Imani at home to be like the size of apartment therapy. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be competing in that lane eventually. So, you know, I'm definitely working to like building a foundation of not just relying on brand deals for money, which is how most people make their money. So, you know, I have a subscriber community, I have affiliate links, I have ad revenue from the blog, I have the brand deals, I have uh, eventually maybe people will able to like book separate time with me. Um, all of these different things, you know, you can get into product lines, you can get into so many different things as a way to make money. And I think that I've just been incredibly blessed because I do something that I think is different from a lot of other people in my niche. Um, it attracts brands to me and I've gotten very lucky and very uh, great deals. And, you know, now I have a manager who's helping me really bring in the ducats. So, yeah. you know, life is good. Life is, life is good as a creator, I would say that. For me, anyway, it's not great for everybody. And, you know, as a as a brown, uh, we get paid about like 30, I think 30 to 40 percent less than like our white counterparts, which is asinine. But, you know, when you know that you can do better, you can fight for more um, in the middle of fighting for more, though, you have to be willing to say no to things, which is difficult because. If somebody says, oh, make a video and I'll pay you $15,000, that's cool. That's great. That sounds like an awesome number. But then if they're paying, uh, you know, a lighter, whiter person 30 for the same thing, hmm. you shot yourself in the foot. So um, there are times where, like, you have to walk away from things and, like, walking away from, like, like I walked away from, like, a $20,000 check the other day. And I was like, 20 geez, that could have paid my rent for, like, Never the rest of the year, but no. um, the deal didn't really make sense for me to be doing. So you have to be ready, willing, and able to say nope. And how can um, how can we, your followers and supporters, continue to support your business? Oh my god! Um, you know, I think the freest, easiest way is to always just like like, comment, subscribe, and save. So. You know, if you see an email for me, open it. If uh, you need a product for me and you like something that I suggested, shop the link. It 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 charges you nothing extra, um, and it helps me out a little bit. You know, you can support the merch line. I have merch, guys. It's so fun. Um, I feel like Beyonce with my little merch hat that I be wearing sometimes. Um, you can buy the merch, but mostly just share the work. You know, um, I don't necessarily, I never really wanted to be a person who like make, I don't want to make most of my money off of the people who support me, you mm -hmm. know, like you, again, the same thing about the hundred dollars, you got a hundred dollars, you want to give me 40, uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. I would rather 
you support this content wholly, shove it down the throats of literally everyone you know, tell them they're like, yo, I'm the best thing since sliced bread. And then when these brands come knocking, I can say to them, oh, you thought you were going to pay me, pay me 10. You're actually going to pay me 25. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would like to do that. But, you know, you got to diversify because brands can stop paying you <laughs> or they can pay you late. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But like in general, um, I, I am very blessed as a creator that this has worked out for me the way that it has. It's been a combination of luck, very smart business choices and circumstance so i'm very Love that. very grateful this is awesome um where can people find you always imaniathome.com imani at home on instagram imani at home on tiktok imani at home on pinterest i'm imani at home everywhere and i am currently at home so <laughs> don't Bye. find me here though that's weird <laughs> Thank you, Imani. That's it for this week's episode of A Bright Idea. Tune in each week as we interview entrepreneurs to find out their aha moments that launched their businesses. Today's episode featured Imani Keel, content creator of Imani at Home. You can support her business by following her content on imaniathome.com and Imani at Home on Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and everywhere you consume content. If you can't get enough of her content online and would like to carry a piece of her with you, she's also selling merch on her website. That's Imani, I-M-A-N-I, at home.com. We're building a community of support here on A Bright Idea Podcast, so follow her on Instagram, give her reviews, and tell all of your friends. You can listen to A Bright Idea on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until then, I'm Amber Key. Thank you.